0: Hey everybody, welcome to Northridge. Hey, we are in week two of a collection of messages that's tied together by this idea of going all in with Jesus. But I want you to know from that video, okay, the way to go all in at Northridge is to join a community group. It is absolutely the best part of Northridge. It's the place where you're gonna find community. It's the place where you're gonna be discipled. It's the place where God is gonna strengthen you and help you become the best version of yourselves. Listen, maybe you're like Will and you're sitting there saying, I don't know about this. I'm a little uncomfortable. I am an introvert, okay? You wouldn't know that because I get paid to talk on stage, okay? But I am an introvert. I joined a group and I was uncomfortable for six long months, okay? I'm just being honest. Six months, I was very uncomfortable in that group. But over the course of that time, I realized everybody else was just as uncomfortable as I was And all of a sudden, those walls started to come down, and I realized that I had community with people that cared about me, people that I cared about, and those are the people that I'm doing life with right now. And I promise you, if you'll jump in, be uncomfortable for just a little while, man, God is gonna break down walls, and you're gonna be able to experience a part of Northridge, a part of Christianity that you would completely miss out on otherwise. There's some paperwork in your seat. You can, when you leave this place, go to the side entrances. There's somebody there that would love to answer questions about groups and help you get connected. Hey, I also wanna say welcome to our college students. How do we feel about college students being back? Man, we have missed you guys. I love this community because what we do is we bring in lake people, and the lake people start to move out, and the college people start to move in, and then we'll transition again later on in the year. We love both lake people and college students. Today, we are grateful that you are back and excited that you're jumping in with us. Let me do a little catch-up. Okay, last week, we kicked off this series by reading a verse in 2 Chronicles sixteen nine. This is what it says. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You see, what this verse tells us is that God is looking to strengthen and use Christians like us, churches like us, communities like us when we go for broke in our commitment to him. What this series is designed to do is it's designed to help us send up a flare that tells God we are in, we are ready, we are willing, and we are all in, and we want to be used by you. Go and open your Bibles or your Bible apps to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Did you know that two weeks ago, there was somebody from Illinois that actually won the Mega Millions jackpot, and it was 1.337 billion dollars. Okay, think about that, B with a, billion with a B, okay? Billion dollar, I can't even pronounce it, okay? That's a lot of money, right? Second largest jackpot in the history of the game. can you imagine what you would do with that kind of money? I mean, you could do anything you wanted. You could buy cars and you could buy clothes. You could buy name brand three-ply toilet paper, okay? I am a dreamer and that's what's on my heart. You could start a business you could support your family, you could travel the world, you could tithe to your church, okay? You definitely should tithe to your church, and I wanna keep that on the forefront of your mind. But listen, it's, it's hard to imagine having any problems with that kind of money at your fingertips. But as you look up the stories of people that have won the lottery in this way, we see that a lot of times they experience a completely different outcome. You see, they experience what's referred to as the lottery curse. And a lot of their stories are plagued by things like divorce and homelessness and alcohol and drug abuse, prison sentences, and more. Before her death, one woman recently said this. She said, the money that she won has brought me nothing but grief. It has destroyed my life. Listen, these folks, in one glorious moment, they felt like all of their problems were solved. They had something in their hand that was going to change their life and complete their life and make everything all right. But holding on to it actually cost them everything else. Listen, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about the things that we choose to hold on to that end up costing way more than they are worth <laughs> things that promise joy and, and promise security and, and promise opportunity but things that ultimately trap us and cause us to miss out on all the things that Jesus has in store for us. Let's pick up the story in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. That's what it says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and he fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit life? Listen, the context will reveal that this man is a successful, well-respected business leader in the community. He's religious and he's teachable and he's sincere. You see, a lot of the people in the Bible that question Jesus, they do so to trick him or to trap him. But in this story, it appears based on his posture and based on his attitude and based on his question that he's humble and he's he's hungry for a response from Jesus. His question is this: what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, how do I earn my way into heaven? What boxes do I need to check so that I can be made right with God? How do I become good enough? I want to pause right there and let you know this is where a lot of us find ourselves today. Like we are the man in this story. We're leaned in in this moment, sitting in these seats, leaned into Jesus saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm humble and I want to be all in with you. You just got to show me what I need to do. Show me what steps to take. How do I check the boxes? How do I secure my relationship with you? I genuinely want to know what all in feels like. I just need you to spell it out for me so that I know what it's gonna take to get there. Well, Jesus responds to that request in verse 18 in a pretty strange way. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Listen, when I read this the first time, I kind of felt like Jesus was missing the point of the guy's question. I felt like he was kind of picking on this poor guy for something insignificant that he said, but, but the more I dove into this story, the more I realized that he is providing a foundation for the answer he's about to give. You see, in a nutshell, what Jesus says here is, is that the answer he is gonna provide only carries weight if the man recognizes him as God himself, You see, what he tells the man is, is I'm not speaking to you. I'm not answering your question as a good teacher who knows things. We have any teachers in the room? Okay, should have quite a few teachers in the room. We're gonna honor you guys in just a few minutes. And I want you to know that you are good because you're a teacher. But I want you to know that even though you're good, you're not God, okay? Sorry to bust your bubble. (laughs) Jesus explains that the answer he will provide doesn't carry the weight of a good teacher who knows things, but of the God of all creation who rules everything. You see, what he says is that nothing this man could ever do apart from acknowledging Jesus as God will be satisfactory. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And nobody gets into heaven except through him. That's the foundation for what comes next. Verses 19 through 20. Jesus says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. See, what Jesus does is he responds by highlighting six of the Ten Commandments, and specifically, he highlights the six commandments that deal with human interactions. He says, You need to keep all of these. These are an important part of experience with God. The man says, I've done that. Ever since I was a little kid, I've done that, but I still feel like something is missing it's kind of like when you leave your house and you have that nagging feeling that you're missing something that you're supposed to have, right? You check your pockets. Have I got my keys? Have I got my wallet? Have I got my phone? You don't know what it is, but you know that there's something that you're leaving behind, something that's important that you need to have in your possession. That's what this man feels like. In the pit of his stomach, he knows that something is missing. So he says to Jesus, yeah, yeah, I get all of that. I've heard all of that before, but why don't I feel complete? Why don't I feel whole? What is still missing from my life? At This point, Jesus reads the heart of the man in the story. And he begins to shine a light on the very thing that's holding him back from a complete and total experience with God. That's what he says in verse 21. It says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Okay, that's important. What he's about to say, he doesn't say out of anger. He doesn't say to embarrass him. He doesn't say it to highlight his failure. He loves him. He says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Let me tell you something. The pathway to heaven is not poverty, it's Jesus. Okay, period. The pathway to heaven is not poverty, it's Jesus. But this man's wealth sat on the throne of his heart. And because of that, there was no room for him to follow Jesus. Listen, the people that were listening to this encounter, they believed that wealth was a sign that you had God's favor. They believed that because you had wealth, you were in good standing with God. But Jesus recognizes this man's situation is something different. And he says, this man's wealth is the barrier that's preventing him from loving God with all of his heart and loving others as himself. If he wants to go all in, if he wants to experience the blessing of that kind of relationship with God, then he's gonna to have to deal with the greed in his heart so that he can then follow Jesus. Verse 22 tells us how he responds. It says, at this, At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, the truth is this man loved God, but he lived for the idol of money. And giving that up was a higher price than he was willing to pay. And so rather than embracing an all-in relationship with Jesus, he turns and walks away so that he can hold on to the very thing that he perceives to be even more important. Here's our sermon in a sentence. Okay, this is where our lives collide with this story. This is what we need to walk away from this story and understand. We cannot cling to Jesus if our hands are full of something else. We cannot cling to Jesus if our hands are full of something else. You see, we can try and keep the law. We can try and follow the rules. We can be in church every single Sunday and read our Bibles every single morning and still miss out on what only Jesus has to offer. If we've given our hearts to something else, we're going to have to address that issue in order to experience Jesus completely. Listen, let's get practical about that, because the goal of our time together is is not just to learn a Bible story and understand it, but, but to know how to apply it so that it affects not just our Sunday, but our Mondays as well. If we want to go all in with Jesus, this is what we're going to have to understand. First thing, we need to loosen our grip on things that are not Jesus. We need to loosen our grip on things that are not Jesus, You see, the truth is there's no indication from Jesus' words that this command that he gave to this individual was a command he wanted to give to all of his followers for all of time. You see, if you look through the Gospels, you'll see other stories that indicate that Jesus does not require all of his followers to sell everything and give it to the poor. But for this man, his obstacle was money. And quite honestly, for many of us, we share that same spiritual problem. We often underestimate how much money has a hold on our hearts. But if it's not money for you, if that's not the obstacle that keeps you from going all in with Jesus, then what is it? What do you hold on to as the source of your happiness and security and strength? And are you willing to give that thing up so that you can experience all that Jesus has to offer? Maybe that thing that holds you back is a lifestyle. Maybe you live your life in a certain way and you say nothing including Jesus Christ is gonna change this. Let me tell you something, that means you have an idol that's sitting on the throne of your heart. Maybe it's a reputation and and you say, I I like the way people look at me. I like the reputation that I have in in this school. I like the reputation that I have at my workplace. I like the reputation I have in this community. And anything Jesus asked me to do is gonna threaten that reputation. I'm not willing to do it. There's an idol sitting on the throne of your heart. Maybe it's an addiction or an activity. Whatever that thing is, it's held onto your heart for so long that, that you can't imagine parting with it. Like you know that if you're gonna separate yourself from this very issue, it's gonna require you to go in front of somebody else, maybe in a community group setting or somewhere else and be open and honest and ask for help. Maybe you've had this thing in your life for so long that you say, I don't even wanna know what my life would look like without it. And there's an idol sitting on the throne of your heart. That obstacle is different for all of us, but get this, the call of Jesus is no less absolute or radical than it was in this story. If it threatens complete and total surrender to God, man, we've got to deal with that thing. We've got to give it up so that we'll be free to take hold of Jesus and everything he has to offer. Listen, Bob Goff is one of my favorite authors. You've heard me talk about him a time or two. One of the things that Bob Goff says when he references this is he compares it to, uh, to being on a boat and he says there's kelp or seaweed that gathers on that boat. And he says, as you're moving through the water, this, this kelp, this seaweed, it grabs hold of the boat and because of the forward motion of the boat, it won't let go. And he says, you won't really even notice that it's there, but it makes it harder to get where you wanna go. It makes the boat work a lot harder. It slows you down. It prevents you from going full steam ahead. And he says, the only way you can get rid of it is to stop, and let it fall away, so that you'll be free to go full steam ahead. Listen, the question we've gotta be asking is, is what's building up in our life that's keeping us from going full steam ahead with Jesus? What are we dragging into our relationship with him? And are we willing to stop for just a minute so that we can allow those things to fall away, so that we can get where Jesus wants us to go? Here's the truth. Some people are going to hear this. They're going to read this story. They're going to understand this truth, but they're going to walk out of this place sad because they're going to feel conviction. They're going to feel the presence of Jesus. They're going to know in their mind what that thing is that He wants them to walk away from. But they're going to say, I can't imagine my life without it. I've got to hold on to this instead. But I believe that there's some people that are going to feel that conviction. They're gonna embrace what Jesus wants them to do. They're gonna get up out of their seats and they're gonna go do business so that they can eliminate that from their life so that they can experience more of Christ's presence and they're never gonna be the same. And my prayer is that we would be the kind of people that do that. The kind of people that do business with God, address these issues and go all in. That's the first thing we gotta do. Second thing we gotta do, if we wanna live out this principle in our daily lives is this, we need to think beyond salvation. I need to think beyond salvation. Let me tell you this, heaven is not the goal. Does that surprise you? Heaven is not the goal, a relationship with Jesus is. Look at the interaction that Jesus has with his disciples as soon as the man walks away sad. Verses 23 through 27. It says, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Listen, the camel was the largest animal in that region. And the eye of the needle was the smallest opening in common use. The man in this story, he wanted a checklist so that he could enter heaven. But what Jesus says is nothing you can do by your human achievement alone is ever going to allow you into heaven. It's like forcing a camel through the eye of a needle. It's not possible He says, salvation is achieved, secured, and guaranteed only by the power and work of God through Jesus Christ. Why address the barriers then? Why sell off our possessions? Why risk our reputations? Because it's possible to have salvation and still mess out on what Jesus wants to do in and through us today. Listen, going all in with Jesus is about so much more than heaven. It's about how jesus wants to transform our lives now listen when i started dating my wife who's on the front row so i can't say anything embarrassing when i started dating my wife one of the things that helped me understand that she was the person that i was going to marry was was i could imagine us at 90 years old in a rocking chair together like that was that was what i was thinking about i was thinking i found the person that I, I want to I spend my 90s with. Like I, I want to be in a rocking chair on a porch and, and look back over our life. That's, that's what I'm holding on to. When I realized that, I realized it was time to, to ask her to marry me. But can you imagine if I asked her, I said, hey, will, will you marry me? And she said yes. And I said, great, I can't wait to be 90. I'll see you then. And just took off. I mean like when we get there, we'll have a lot of fun. We're gonna rock on the porch. And, and, and I'll, I'll just, I can't wait till that day gets here. But until then, I'm gonna go do my own thing. Now see, what I got out of that marriage, out of her saying yes, was so much bigger than that. That was an end result. That was a goal that I was working towards, but I also got the date nights. I got the wedding, I got the children, I got the milestones, I got the support, and I got the love. Let me tell you, a lot of people treat Christianity like fire insurance. They say, I'm gonna do just enough so that I can get to heaven. I'm gonna do just enough so that I can stay in good standing with God. Let me tell you something. I don't want to get to heaven dragging a wasted life. If Jesus really is who he says he is, then I want everything that a relationship with him has to offer. I want all the good stuff that leads up to eternity. I want all of the incredible experiences that happen between now and heaven. I want an indescribable peace that money can't buy. I want want God's unmatched strength and power in my life. I want want Christian community that's gonna allow me to be better than I was ever gonna be on my own. I want God's purpose on my life. I wanna make a difference. I don't just want heaven. I wanna be part of the movement that brings heaven to earth. Listen, you and I, we don't need to settle for the bare minimum entrance requirements any longer. We gotta tell Jesus, I'm going all in because I wanna see what you wanna do in and through me today, I'm gonna let go of anything I gotta let go of so that I can grab hold of you and my life will change, my campus will change, my school will change, this community will change because you're doing something in and through me now. That's the second thing we gotta do. Listen, last but not least, the third thing, if we wanna go all in with Jesus this week, this is something that we gotta do. We need to trust God to provide. You see, the call of Jesus is going to demand something. If this story is in any indication, the call of Jesus is going to demand everything. But every single sacrifice that we make is an investment in the hands of God. Look at how this story concludes in verses 28 through 30. It says, Then Peter spoke up. He says, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Listen, what Jesus says is that those that are willing to address the barriers that prevent them from complete and total surrender to Jesus, and they're gonna experience a treasure in their life that far outweighs any sacrifice that they make. You see, we think a lot of times that we want what this world has to offer so that we can be happy, so that we can be full, so that we can be complete and be whole, Man, but just wait until you see what Jesus can do. Only he can provide the desires of our heart, but we got to let go of everything else so that we can experience his power and presence in our life now. See, when I think about this, I think about Halloween Our our community does Halloween in a big way. I've never lived anywhere where they get this excited about Halloween, okay? Our neighborhood, our kids were walking through this last year and we gave them big bags because we know how this community is. Man, their bags were full. They're dragging them on the ground, dropping candy behind. They're complaining and whining. Can you believe that? They complain and whine about how heavy their bag full of free candy is. But I wanted to look at my son and and, and when he was dragging that bag and just say, listen, what you got to do is you got to go take out the Tootsie Rolls. (laughs) They're filler candy. They don't matter. Nobody likes them anyway. (laughs) Leave them behind. Dump them in your sister's bag. You got to make room for the better stuff. You got to make room for the stuff the neighbor has to offer. Let me tell you something. Our relationship with Jesus is the same way cannot cling to Jesus if our hands are full of something else. There's some things in our life that, quite honestly, we just got to say, I'm going to handle those things. I'm going to walk away from those things. I'm going to give those things up because I want what Jesus has to offer more. Listen, if you feel conviction in your heart right now because you know what that thing is, man, I don't want you to leave this place holding onto that thing anymore. I want you to deal with it so that you can experience more of Jesus in your life. This series is all about going all in, This series is all about experiencing Jesus in our life and in our church and in our community. Oh man, but there's a price that has to be paid. We gotta say, I'm gonna do what needs to be done because I believe that Jesus can provide even more than I can sacrifice. What do we need to let go of today so that we can experience more of him tomorrow? Will we walk away sad today or will we walk away knowing that our life has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings in our life. And God, we know that that some of the blessings in our life are just reminders of how good you are. And and we can take those things and hold on to them and and point back to you and say, thank you, God. We're so grateful. But God, we know there's other things in our life that that become a distraction for us, that, that hold us back from complete and total surrender to you. And so God, I pray in this moment that you'll give us the wisdom to discern which is which pray that you'll increase our willingness to say, Jesus, I'm going to lay it all down at your feet so that I can experience more of what you want to fill my hands with. God, I pray that we would be a church that doesn't just talk about this stuff. Pray that we would be a church that deals with the hard stuff because we believe that you've got something better in store for us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, we're going to sing a song and that song has a line in it. It's wherever you lead me, whatever it costs me, all I want is you, Jesus. All I want is you. Here's what I want to say to you. If you can't sing those words with, with a sense of authenticity, as a prayer to God, then I don't want you to sing them. But I want this room to be full of people that are saying to Jesus, I'm going to give everything up. I'm going to surrender all I have because all I want is you. Man, I want the ground of this place to shake Because not just our words, but because our heart aligns with our words. And we're crying out to Jesus to show up in this place and move in a powerful way. Listen, the altar is going to be open on both sides. You're welcome to come and pray there. You can spend time laying something down and and giving it to Jesus so that you can experience more of him in your life. We're going to have people at the front just follow the lights. They would love to pray with you, talk to you about this, even help you if you want to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. But over the next few minutes, we're going to invite Jesus in and we're going to watch him move in a powerful way. Y'all stand up and let's sing.